This episode is made possible by Sandra Oyewole, partner at Olajide Oyewole LLP and Ajibola Olomola, partner at KPMG Nigeria. Hello and welcome to another episode of the SNC Podcast, a show helping you better understand the intriguing world of music, arts and entertainment through insightful discussions with African artists, creatives, executives and entrepreneurs. I am your host, Fala Shadi Anuzier. I am excited about our guest. She is super amazing and talented, but hardly does interviews and I'm so thrilled that we have the opportunity to speak with her. Joining us on the show is Mimi Bartels. She is the general manager at Film One Studios, which is part of the Filmhouse Group, the largest premium film distribution and production company in West Africa. She has over 14 years experience in story development, film production, media, brand management, and alternative investments. Among other notable efforts, Mimi spearheaded the distribution of 60% of the all-time top 10 box office releases in Nigeria. Her first ever story was developed for a comedy film franchise, Fate of Alakada, which was the second highest in box office for the year 2020, and she produced her first film, Kambili, The Whole 30 Yards, which became a Netflix favorite. She has produced over 30 commercially successful films, and titles released under her reign have spent at least two weeks minimum on the Netflix Top 10. Mimi Bartels under Film One Production Studios has 32 AMVCA nominations and one win for films produced and executively produced. Mimi, welcome to the show. I thank you. <laughs> you know, before we started, I mean, in my mind, I've been saying, Shade, you think you're sarcastic. Mimi... <laughs> I'm, I'm bad. You're like, really? I'm terrible. <laughs> no, no, no. But how are you doing? I'm good. I'm thankful. I'm glad to have you here. And honestly, thank you so much for making this work. Because yes. this has been a long time coming. Mm. I know that you've been super, super... You know people say that they're busy. But, you know, yes. to actually just meet someone who's, like, super busy but still mm. making the time, Mimi, I'm really, really grateful. So I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I mean, I dodge interviews, so you're just very persistent. I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is months and she's still on my case. I know. But in your mind, did you say, like, isn't she going to give up? Did you... I genuinely felt you would give up no, eventually, no. but alas. So, honestly, it was your persistence that made me make out the time I'm so glad. you should definitely keep that about yourself thank if you anything. so much thank you so how are you doing just happy at this point well, i mean considering how nigeria is you're happy it's, it's weird right yeah. it's very weird because i was having this conversation with my husband where i'm like i mean dollar is crap now i know you earn in external currency but when they convert it you're still okay mm. but like i'm not making as much money as I want to be making, mm -hmm. but I'm happy. Yeah. And I'm I, just thankful. Yeah. It's weird. No, I think happiness and thankful, those are two good things. Because, mm. you know, the people who make a lot of money and they're not still happy and thankful. So. Oh, yeah. So it's good to have all three. Happy, thankful, yeah. and, you yeah. Know, yeah. 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 So um, I know that you were on vacation. So do you feel rested and energized for the rest of the year? Well, technically, yeah. My, I, can't, I can't do vacations in my seats. You know, it's weird because I actually went for a training and I said, I'm going to take some days off and just chill. Mm. And every time I attempted to chill, I would get that message, my, I know you're on holiday, but... And somehow I ended up doing meetings, but I do feel rested. I think just something about geography, just leaving a certain environment mm -hmm. and just, and then the mall was like two minutes walk from me. So retail therapy, if um, anything. Yeah. I'm really glad to hear that. Cause I know that you, like I said, you've been super busy. So it's really great, great to hear people like rest. And it's true. There's something about Nigeria that once you just 
leave sometimes mm. you know you get some time to refresh mm-hmm. rethink mm-hmm. you know and just come back you mm-hmm. know feeling ready to hit the ground but again. guess what third day i was like man when am i going, going back? back right <laughs> isn't that like you know it's kind of a weird relationship it's very like, weird yeah. and i i think uh, i i don't know if i can live anywhere else at this point like i'm open to it but i don't know there's just something about home mm. i can't I can't explain it. I know they say home is where the heart is, but there's something about Nigeria. Once you land, it's like, <laughs> but then you just hear, <laughs> 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 you're like, yeah, my people. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so that's cool. Now, you've been the general manager of Film One Studios for almost eight months now, mm-hmm. right? How mm-hmm. has that experience been like? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who told me to take this seat? I was happy on my desk. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I'm glad I did it um because it, i'm opening more doors than i didn't realize i was opening i know i do things but i try to be intentional about what i do but i realize that we aren't taking the youth of nigeria as seriously as we should be taking them and being in that position has helped me my company already did take the youth seriously but i think now because i think with nigerians once there's a heavy title behind your name you now get taken more seriously as it is. So now I find I'm opening, or I'm trying anyways, to open as many doors as possible. So I end up doing, I, like I said, I don't like panels, but if I find out like it's a panel that is like focused on like the youth, I attend it. I make sure I make the time out for it. Um, I already had the same workload anyway, <laughs> if anything. Now I, I'm sitting more on a desk in comparison to me being on set as I was before. I still dress as comfortably as I like, so I'm thankful (laughs) for that. But um, just the possibilities of Nigerian content is amazing, like, since that period. And then I didn't realize the overwhelming love as well that I received. Um, So I think it's until, like, you leave your desk and you come out into the world, then you kind of understand what people expect from you and, and how much you're even making an impact I didn't know that. So if I didn't take that position, I, I probably wouldn't have ever known it, if yeah. anything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I feel I'm, good about I'm it. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. You talked about the youth. You know, lots of people talk about, you know, the youth are important. Yeah, I'm part of the youth. <laughs> so for you, what does it mean? When you say the youth, what does that mean to you? And why should we even take them seriously? Anybody below me <laughs> at this point is a youth. Um, so I'll give you an example. So in my office, I've had... To be honest, most of the people on my team are below like 28 years old. In fact, 80%, actually, what am I saying? 90% of them. I think just me and one other person in my team. And that's not even talking about the whole office. Um, these three films, or let me just remember the films Aki and Popo, Ghost and How, um, Ghost and Tout to Battle on Booker Street, they all had influence from people below 25 years old. Aki and Popoy was, he was actually an intern at that time in my office. And we're doing a call for proposals. Like, we're about to make this film. Can we get a call? Can we get stories in? And this intern was like, oh, can I put my leg in? And he ended up getting the bid. Like, the producers were happy with the story direction that he did. And that ultimately did $130 million mm-hmm. in box office. And went on to Netflix. And then he went further. 
the other guy and that one was through instagram like he was just bugging me <laughs> I was like, God, honestly, persistence does win me. I'm not lie. He just kept bugging my life. Brought him in as an intern. In fact, he was even living in Calabar, and he moved to Lagos just to intern. And then we ultimately kept him on the team. And he said, Oh, Mimi, I have this story. And that story ended up being Battle on Booker Street. Wow. So if we don't keep, if we don't listen to these people, how do we create the next set of filmmakers? That's the thing for me. We just need to keep making the next set. Of filmmakers if not we're all just being a rut and i would die if nollywood remains in a rut because we're growing faster i love it that the filmmakers that are the quote-unquote a-listers now have moved up to another level with amazon originals and netflix originals but then there's a gap who fills in that position for these filmmakers my job honestly if i can do that and i know i've died and live the good life is how do I keep pushing for Nollywood content to stand firmly on the international stage and what's important is that we don't actually need international acclaim we don't need it but it's just be nice to have it because what we've created for ourselves here in Nigeria is amazing but then if you think about all these people they were youth quote and unquote at some point and they just kept at it and now our names are spoke like oscar lists and all these things are happening and grammys and all that business if we don't take them seriously like what's going to happen to the future of our industry that's just where i stand yeah. with with such things that's, that's a, <laughs> yeah i'm just like i think that's that's amazing just because you know sometimes when you're young people just ignore you and think mm-hmm. that you don't have the experience that someone like mimi has she's a gm like where are you going to come from but mm. it takes that sense of understanding yeah and actually appreciating people that are younger yeah. to know that mm-hmm. they have a different perspective that you do not have oh, yeah. as just as well as you have a perspective that they may not have so you're yeah. working together to achieve you know that goal and mm-hmm. create mm-hmm. ip and you know exactly make money. i think the most important thing for me as well is that the reason why i would always take quote and unquote the youth seriously is that somebody took me seriously because when I started in this business, I was 30 years old and I had never gone to film school. I had never done anything with film. I just realized that like, I like making money, sorted. I studied economics, I studied finance, and I like films. How do I bring those two things together? And then I actually took, I was head of marketing in a company called Spinlet, and I took a pay cut to come to film one because the only um, position available was an assistant. But I was like, you know, I'm going to start from the bottom. And that was me at 30 years old. I mean, now I'm, what, 38? I mean, am I turning 39? I can't even keep up <laughs> at this point. I mean, yeah, I'm turning 39 this year. Next year, I'll be 40. So somebody gave me a chance. And my bosses as well are, quote, unquote, the youth. And they were deemed as the youth when they started. And then ultimately, it's 12 cinemas now. And film one distribution, or film one entertainment, film one studios, auxiliary, like international sales and everything. If you don't take a chance, how do you make the next set at this point? So yeah. paid forward is really my thing. Paid forward, yeah. definitely. And you talked about, you know, you came from a background of finance. So you're working mm. at, at a bank, actually. How did your mind say... Because <laughs> people will think that you're working at the, working in or at a bank. Mm-hmm. My colleague, Michael, will probably roll his eyes if he sees me. He's <laughs> 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 not like in or at. But working mm-hmm. at a bank, what mm-hmm. made you say, I want to move to film? Because you could have just stayed. What yeah. was it about the industry that... I mean, first of all, like... The era I grew up in was that film is bad, which is weird because we grew up watching film, but somehow it was deemed as 
you know, this no-go area. If you're going to be an actor, you fail or producer, blah, blah, blah. So I never had the mindset that I wanted to do that. My mom worked in the bank. So I just figured, like, I'll just follow her trajectory. So I was really, like, gagging because I came back from England and I was like, I'm just going to be a banker. I honestly took business administration because I thought it was the easiest course, but it turns out that was a lie. (laughs) (laughs) So I just got into banking. And then when I was in the bank, I realized that people were actually miserable in that branch anyways. Um, Our branch was tough. It was by the market. Um, Like like those like very intense markets then. And these people were living off loans and stuff. I was just like, I don't know if this is the life for me. Like it took you a while. Like you needed to grow in that company to actually be able to get to that stage where you would be making that kind of money. And I was like, man, okay, I don't think this is for me. So I just moved on. So it honestly took me a while to realize that I wanted to get into film. It was when, and I'm so thankful to her forever and ever, it was my friend's sister that was working on her first film. And I did a deck for sponsorship. And she was like, oh, why don't you just come and work with us? And I was like, oh, okay, cool. It's film. Yay, I like film. And then I just started working with her. And she tells me that she's, because she's dropped off film. And she tells me that she's so proud of me that I kept on yeah. that path of it. When I did that, I realized that, okay, do you know what? There's something here. We didn't make money on that film. But I was like, if people are making money, do they have two heads? What are they doing? The Nigerian saying. So I decided to go back and start learning. What are the policies? What do I need to do? How do you actually make money of content? So I started, that's when I now tried and got into the National Broadcasting Commission. Mm-hmm. Then I wanted to learn, like, what what does it take to even broadcast like what um what what does the constitution say about certain things and i really learned a lot um from that in terms of even like censorship because that's a big thing as well like yeah so how do you tell your stories without annoying (laughs) the laws Mm -hmm. of nigeria at the time you were there were you were you thinking about all these things i generally wasn't (laughs) i was just thinking i just want to learn exactly because that's me my my story is very interesting to be honest like i'm not bragging oh but it God, is no. but like when because even with kambili being like the first film i ever produced i did not know what a producer did i literally got on set and kari kasum was like that's the producer and i was like huh because <laughs> i was working on like building a film fund and i was coming from distribution I didn't really know what a producer did. I knew the term producer, but I didn't know what it entailed. So when I got on set that day, first day of shoot, I had to go home. I started watching YouTube videos. And when I watched those YouTube videos, because another thing is that Nigerians, like if they see you sweat, like everything just like falls off. And you know, like the world of production is very clicky as well. Once they know you don't know, the whole crew, everything just goes cuckoo. So I finished that and nobody believed that like I had never, that was my first like proper set to step on again when i started this my journey of this is what i wanted to do i started i literally started from the bottom i started as a pa as a production assistant i was carrying equipment I, in fact funny enough the sets that the very first set i worked as a pa had um captain Dexy as he's known now mm. as a cam operator and jagun jagun that just came out on netflix he's the dop for that now so it was interesting that our careers we grew i grew to be this and now and he directed the first film one original so like i have been going on this journey for a while of just like learning because i didn't really know that there was a school like a river attend i didn't, i never heard of pefty or anything like yeah. that to be honest so mm-hmm. just going down that path of like going back to learn 
So I learned all of that, learned, 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 and I said, okay, do you know what is time? And why did you choose to go to Spinlet? What was it about the music industry that made you say you wanted to? Oh, ah, yeah, yeah, this is just <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> because at you this just point. About that, yeah. I no, because my husband moved to Lagos, and I was like, I need to get a job so I can be my husband in Lagos. <laughs> I wish it was Valid. like something. Something very uh, yeah, like ambitious. Yeah. My, my friend, because I was in NBC at that time, I was happy, you know, like, because uh, I honestly got comfortable Cause that that was called the ex extra cold. Oh, it's, it's comfortable. <laughs> I was happy. I was like closing work at two and everything. But then my husband moved to Lagos, and my friend was like, "Hmm, it's your fine husband. If you like, leave him." <laughs> For Lagos girls. I was like, "Oh, so my friend looked me up. Like, oh, there's a job position." Blah, blah blah. I was like, "Oh, I could do that." And I, I did enjoy my time, but I realized that music is not for me. I think I love music too much to work in it, mm-hmm. which is weird because I love movies, but music. Is more important to me. That's like anybody that's doing post pro with me and I hear sound, I'm like, the sound is not the mix. What's the song, if anything? Yeah, but like movies, I felt like I could see and, and make an impact. So I'm sorry, spin let you. Was, no, 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 it's just, <laughs> it was yeah. love that carried yeah. me here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, just at your time at NBC, like what were like things that you probably maybe you had an idea of just briefly that mm-hmm. you, when you were there, like, oh, you were shocked to find out that this is how maybe censorship works because i feel like sometimes Mm. when it comes to like radio or even tv Mm. we have this idea of what's how people go about deciding what is rated Mm -hmm. you know inappropriate Mm -hmm. inappropriate. but when you now get there like oh i see maybe there's a thought process to that yeah i think it was more of like a 360 degree view and i'm so thankful for that experience because i only ever had one point of view which was that there's nothing wrong in this now but what is wrong and what is right is generally relative. I always tell my team, like, there's no right or wrong. There's only opinion at this point. But the thing is that you don't know what opinion can actually do. Opinion starts a lot of things in life, period. I think it was even more of, like, the peak period of what to say and what not to say. That impressed me a lot. I didn't realize, like, even learning things about, like, green band trailers and red band trailers, I didn't... Because I don't even know if people even still know that till today. Yeah, what is that? So there's a green band trailer, which means it's acceptable for kids to watch. And then there's a red band trailer that's for adults. So films like maybe Hang- Hangover or something oh, would God. be able to release a green band trailer that, okay, it can play on any screen, but ultimately it's rated 18. But then the red band trailer will have like the curse words and all that business inside. And even just learning about like the rating system. Ultimately, that was censors board, but because of my connection to NBC, my um, former boss also was census board DG. So I learned a lot in terms of like what they classify as uh, 12A and PG and all that business. It was was very apparent. And I don't think, I'm not on the side of anybody, but I don't think like the census board is coming at us as like, oh, they're the devils or something. It's just genuinely like this is the mindset of how to quote and unquote protect the next generation. That's very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Now, as a GM, when you're looking to develop a series or a film, mm. what are you looking for? Do you know I get this question all the time? Because we want to know now. I mean, if I want to produce... No, but you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's fair. Mm-hmm. It's honestly a fair question because mm-hmm. even I'm talking to the streamers and then, anyways, when, before I got into this seat, I used to ask, what are you looking for? Honestly, I'm just looking for a story that hits me. And people don't get that. If a story is relatable the more successful it would be. People just want representation. People just want to know that their stories are being told. And I keep telling people that, like, 
all of us are just either educated amoebas or uneducated amoebas. Because if you think about it, people who say, oh, I don't watch films. Yeah, but you watch news. Why? You want to connect. If your content connects to people. Now, the only problem with this thing is when people send stuff, they generally do believe that they are making some form of connection because their friend said it's nice. And that's always the problem. Your friends said, my, the first thing I did when I got to this business is block out my friends. Because friends, are, they'll have your back. And they also want to encourage you at the same time. But my friends are not the ones that are going to buy the tickets. My friends are maybe like 10 to, say even 100. I need to, send to sell to millions of people. What connects to millions of people? And then it also depends on the platform. Is it headed to cinema? Is it headed to a streaming platform? What works for these things? And ultimately, I've learned that with the Nigerian process, even now I'm learning internationally as well, is that content is escape. So if your content doesn't make people take themselves out of their lives for an hour, 30 minutes to, out to two hours or three hours at this point, then maybe it's not meant for the cinema screen. Maybe if you want people to easily connect more to their lives and what is going on, maybe do it in the comfort of their homes. So it's not a particular thing I'm looking for. It's just more of if I read this story and it hits me. Because the problem is that story and my husband are like one-on-one -on -one at this point. Because if you think about it, like, you're in a relationship with your story for many, many years to come. It lives on forever. So you're going to spend a lot of time um, developing this story, breeding this story, taking care of this story, making sure you get the right people to even tell this story. So if you don't have that content that makes somebody say, I'm going to ride and die on top of this thing, then maybe it's not ready to be made yet. Maybe just go back and tweak it a little bit, if anything. So ultimately, relatability and able to connect that's it you talked about the, the, the um, having a story for suited for cinema and platforms can you explain more about that because i would think that i mean i get you know it's funny i don't know have you seen oppenheimer i haven't yet i've seen that today oh really yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. i must see it in the imax if not <laughs> yeah, what's the yeah. point <laughs> i saw a couple of reviews that said that it wasn't suited they shouldn't have been a movie it should mm -hmm. have been a series mm. so is that what you're talking about when you say like maybe some stories are not best no no, no so i'll give you an example i don't know many people that would want to watch the Avengers in their houses. Mm. There are some movies that you just need to watch together. Mm. I'm having goosebumps about it now, even though I'm a DC fan, and I feel like this content is going to haunt me one day <laughs> at this point. But when I was in that hall, and the last um, Avengers, and you heard, uh, what's that guy's name? Hawkman's voice saying, on your left. Captain on your left. Ah, ah. You're the so hyped. hall went, if you don't have goosebumps now that I'm saying it, yeah. the hall went insane. Yeah. And then Chadwick Bosman steps out of that. In your house, I guess we slap it below. There are those kind of films that are just meant for community, if anything. And that's why most of these people that are even doing their films that are going to Netflix are still doing premieres. But you still want to have that communal, you know, feeling, if anything. And to be honest, that's what people don't get. Cinema is community. I don't think people get that. People actually go to the cinemas just to connect. You want to hear that random guy that's going to do that random commentary, even though it's annoying you, but last, last, you still laugh, yeah, if anything. Yeah. yeah, so like there are some films then that you just know that this mood, you need to be in your house because you're probably going to cry like a baby or you're going to need to pause and just like, man, what just happened, if anything. Mm -hmm. and, the, and there's content for that. Content is so, like, you're not going to say like, the skits you watch on your phone should be on the cinema. Everything has its place. And because if skits were in the cinema, it wouldn't work. 
because we tried it. <laughs> it all just, it, it's all relatable or relative at this point, yeah. if anything. Yeah. yeah. It made, made me also think as well, you know. Now, um, you're in the business of making commercially viable movies. Yeah, yeah. I have <laughs> salaries to pay. Exactly, right. <laughs> what about if you come across a story that maybe you think is not going to be commercially viable, mm. but you feel like the cultural or societal educational impact is there? Mm. Are you going to go ahead? Oh, with yes, definitely. Is there room for that kind oh, of yeah. movie to be made? Um, every studio has a slate. Mine is broken down into blockbuster, mid-tier, Low budget sometimes as well. Um, I'm missing one. Maybe during the course of this, I remember. Um, then movies that sorry, tentpole. Yes, that was it. Tentpole films just mean like those are the films that you know is going to like make the company or the studio like a huge mm-hmm. amount of money. Disney will always have a tentpole film with their Marvel, you know, films and everything. But they'll still do a Queen Katwe or something mm-hmm. uh, along those lines. So the truth of the matter is like not every blockbuster film can tell a Nigerian story. So there are those films that you need to actually pass on culture or knowledge or just even a message, period. And I feel like Bjorn Steven does that a lot with her films. They're not blockbusters, but when you watch it, mm-hmm. something will just hook you inside. I, I like to call that thing the Tyler Perry effect, if anything. Because I don't think Tyler Perry sets out to make commercial films. I think he just sets out to just pass a message these things but he's going to make sure you have a good time and he has his audience if anything so i would always work on films that one i understand have their audience i don't understand yoruba although i'm married to a part yoruba man we'll discuss that one later on site <laughs> but my latest film that was just released was a collaboration with Odunladi with orisha once i saw the story i was like nah this is it i understand that it can be commercially successful but the story that was being told was just so strong that I was like, I'm going to jump on this. I don't understand the language. I don't understand the culture. But I understand that this film is going to make an impact on the Yoruba culture. So we jumped on it, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there are films that we've distributed, Emo Fair, that went to cinema. Everybody would say, oh, it's not meant for cinema. But it was a message that just needed to be passed across. And it was even interesting to just see that Nigerians are doing very creative kind of content, if anything. So, and to be honest, commercially based is very relative. People don't get that. Commercially based is not always 600 million Naira films because you have to now quantify what the actual financial budget was in comparison to the return on investment that you got. So there are films that like, you probably shot for like 5 million Naira or something, but then you're selling it off for $40,000, but then it's not deemed as a blockbuster. But it's been commercially successful. And I think that's the mistake that people make all the time. That people think that commercial success is tied to opening weekend, 200 million. Da, da, da. No, it's, it's simple math. What did I put in and what did I get out? There are some guys in this industry that are just festival names. They make films and they go to the festival route and they make their money. In fact, they even look better than me. <laughs> that is like releasing in the cinema and stuff. And I always ask people, what do you deem? as commercially successful. What do you deem as success for yourself? If you want your name in lights and you get it, that's success for you. If you just want to be able to say, I can even make film, period, then that's success for you. And I think that's what people confuse a lot of the time. Yeah, I think because, you know, the, the, the metrics for measuring success is like, 
either it's one outlandish idea and you if you have this metric that you feel like 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 you for example you said my my metric is fifty thousand dollars if i put mm -hmm. in five million naira mm -hmm. people tell you that you're not dreaming big enough there's this need for us to always think that we you know like to dream the biggest or the biggest and mm -hmm. maybe that's not what you think is successful mm -hmm. you feel mm -hmm. forced into that you mm -hmm. know that but path. if you check it that person's dream is probably even not as big mm -hmm. Even what they deem as their biggest dream, you're like, really, this is it? Okay, probably need to dream some more, my yeah. love. So everything is generally relative. And I feel like people just need to stop comparing themselves to all these things. Like, it will happen ultimately. I mean, even if you check, like, Quentin Tarantino's stories, like, he started from, like, low-budget stuff. And, like, it's, it's more of, like, when it's your time. Just let it, just do the work. I always say, I know some people just want the quick fix. And to be honest, it's our culture to want the quick fix. But guess what? All these people, I mean, look at it now. Like Femi Adebayo, he just believed in himself and did a King of Thieves. Now his next huge mm -hmm. film is a Netflix original. Yeah. That's a one year. And, I'm, and to be honest, so he, I know he was probably knocking on doors for people to even believe in that first film. We did not know that that movie was going to do 300 million in, in box office and he ultimately did and that man has been putting the work for years i mean even his dad i didn't even know his dad was ogabelu yeah. <laughs> like you get what i mean so yeah. like it's up to you what you deem as success yeah. and you talked about put some movies that you see or you hear or you read about and you say this has to get done but have you ever had this experience because i was reading about i think it was get out mm. i'm not sure either get out or us one okay. of them and the producer said that when the script was brought to her by what's this guy's name again um peel yes exactly mm. yeah yeah exactly yeah, key, his, key peel right yes one of them they're, they're, they're together mm -hmm. right yeah, yeah. yeah jordan peel i think thank yes. you okay yeah thank you <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. um that initially she didn't understand it but she, she appreciated his vision and the fact that he had his numbers and all the information that he wanted to pass across. But then as the, as the um, scripts, as the movie started, started getting made, then she understood it. So have mm. you ever had that experience whereby maybe something doesn't really, doesn't really make sense, but then as it progresses, you're like, oh, I finally get all it. All the time. Honestly, people don't realize this about me, but I don't really listen to pitches. I want to know you as a filmmaker. Once I see that, like, you have a passion and a vision, sometimes I'll make sure we find a project that we can work on together. Because when I saw Kambili, honestly, maybe Cardi will kill me today. He did a very lovely deck, but I didn't read the deck. I read the logline. I just opened the deck and I read the logline and I said, I'm in. And I just started, like, we need to fund this film, we need to fund this film. I mean, after I went and read, because <laughs> you know, there was a whole script and I was like, oh my, we need to get into script development and all that business. So he actually does happen people don't realize that like film is such a collaborative effort that people actually look at you first like can i work with you i mean they're the ones that can stand alone but i don't know anybody in this film industry that has not had a collaborative effort to have it because you literally have to work with dop you have to work with this you have to work with that some people buy into you first before they now buy into the vision and they buy into the story and then they buy into the script so i have i've, I've experienced that so much so that's what people don't get. Like, I just want to just, I don't even need to meet you sometimes. I can just, I get feedback. I, and I don't try to listen to what other people have said. I don't try to listen to what other people have said about you because I realize that people never give the full context mm. of what actually happened and stuff. So you can't really rely mm. on certain things. Mm. So yeah, there are many times that I've just based on, yeah. I believed in what I, the, the one sentence I read and like, let's write 
And as a producer, has your do you, do you feel like your background in economics has really because ah. I, I asked that because there's a lady that I was reading like one part I can't remember her name, and she talks about how people take her more seriously because she's able to explain the numbers. She's able to like, yeah. like break it down, and they're like, oh my god, you know, you're, you know, like you actually get you know the financial yes. aspects. Every so. producer needs to go and I don't know do some course in business something because um, I was talking to a lady in SA when I was there, and she said. She got a deal with Netflix, but she was lost because she didn't know about the contracts and the numbers and the budget and everything. And she was like, I've gotten this deal now. They believed in my story, but I don't have producer knowledge on this thing. So she had to get an agent that if I didn't have that, honestly, I wouldn't be able to be saying fancy words like ROI and my Apex or my OPEX or my CAPEX or whatever it mm-hmm. is or my budget or my fancy lines. So it actually does help. And I don't know if you can actually proudly call yourself a producer if you don't understand the very term of producer is ultimately to produce. It's a product. And what does a product get? A demand. A demand ultimately leads to supply. Supply ultimately leads to return. So like, if you don't get the very foundation of that title that you hold, maybe, I don't know, rethink yeah. life. <laughs> you think you're Just rethink that. it. Yeah, you know, yeah. But that's your you problem. I'm yeah. only here to survive for my own. Yeah. <laughs> if no, anything. I totally get that. And you talked about remakes and, you know, mm. you talk about DC comics, you know, all these. Are... My DC? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Like, you know, I was gonna wear Black Adam today. I picked the wrong, you know, um, hoodie. So I was quite I upset. Seen Black Adam. It was it good? Because all these comments are people um, like it was. It was not good. It was good. I, like, <laughs> I mean, it could be better. Do you know? Now that I think about it, I enjoyed it. Let me not lie. Um, I'm just sad for DC in, in the entirety because every time I feel like I go into the cinema. And I enjoy it. I often see comments and I'm like, but what did I watch? But I enjoyed myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like, is it fair? Like, I haven't seen it. No, you should. Yeah. All I was a fun watch. Uh, this just saddens me. I'm just sad. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't you have like, is it James Gunn you have now? Who's like running your... Yeah, so we're all looking at him. <laughs> you don't <laughs> even know. Oh, my, oh my days. God. We're looking at him with side eye. <laughs> well, I'm praying for that. He's, he's probably turning his bed now because yeah. one Mimi Batel is talking about him. He's hearing it. He's probably hearing it. Yeah. But yes, you're saying about remakes. Yeah, no, sorry. yeah. So remakes. Uh, people have criticized how there's so many remakes, yes. so many reboots. I mean, film one had, I think, Domitilla, right? Yes, and yes, yes. So do you feel like with all these remakes and reboots, it limits the opportunity for original content to actually shine or come through or to actually even be, to actually be received? Because as a filmmaker, if you're going to a company or a studio and they're like, uh, this is not Domitilla mm-hmm, or... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you ever see Most Wanted? Nigeria movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, you know, I would actually like to see a remake about that. Yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, yes. it's my question. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I thought it's happening. Not me, but I know that something is happening oh, somewhere. Cool. Yes. That's exciting. Yes, yes, yes. Um, this is my question back to you. If remakes are not, if remakes were not working, would they continue? I mean, no, you don't have to answer. Okay. Because feel, okay, go ahead. Lion King, how much did it make? Little Mermaid. How much did they make? Like Papa, how much did they make? The soon as people, as soon as people stop watching remakes, then remakes will stop. The truth of the matter is, intellectual property. It is what it is. It is intellectual property. When you own land, you can build on that land ten thousand times over. You can break the house. You can do it again. You can refurbish your house. Either way, it's still the same house because it's your property, and you can do what you want. Now, with intellectual property. 
ultimately, if it's tested, I'm going to go down that. It's like asking your friend, like, oh, should I buy this drink? Have you tested it before? And your friend goes, yes, I like it. And then if they've not tested it before, you're like, ah, let's try. That's really what original content is, if you think about it. Mm. But intellectual property already has a name. Another thing is that, you remember that it's intellectual property, so you want to keep earning money on it for years and years to come. The only problem in Nigeria, we don't have merchandising down to a T. There are many other ways you can actually make soundtracks. Other than on Barbie. Okay, you started on, <laughs> on Barbie. My whole office was pink for a long time. I was like, dude, really? And I don't like pink, but I had to yeah. ultimately, do, I think I did pink nails that week because oh I was somehow influenced and I didn't know when I picked pink. And I was like, how did I get Isn't pink on my nails? That's what yeah. I'm saying. So like, at the end of the day, like, intellectual properties, it is what it is. People always say leave it alone. But people don't realize that that's somebody's hard work that they've created. And that's their life's work. Not everybody can let go of their life's work. Somebody doesn't keep remaking. And to be honest, people don't realize that with intellectual property, there are so many characters in these stories that can have spin-offs and can have lives of, of their own. So I would never say stop with remakes, but I'll never say stop with originals. I feel like the, those two things can coexist. Really, because if not, then Oppenheimer should never be made. So is it is it more of like not don't stop the remakes, or but rather stop making shitty remakes? No, but that's sh- what I even say. What classifies as shitty? That you get I mean because yeah. it's so relative. Subjective. There are some things that people watch, and I'm like, you enjoyed this, okay? But it's making money for said people. What do you do? So what you're classifying as shitty? goes to make one billion dollars so or five hundred million. I mean people think that people think that Barbie is like trash. That's it's weird, yeah, but yeah. then I've seen people that have said Barbie is fantastic. I know. So I it's so it's, that's what I'm saying. Like art is so, so subjective. People don't I do not understand the concept of sitting on the toilet seat and sharing reels to our friends and me watching every time I mean I love my husband. He keeps sending these things to me. I was like okay I will f- I have to actually find time to catch up. This is entertaining to people you know there was a time in nigeria where like those text messages you get of 15 naira for a joke per day do you know how much money that was making for vast companies mm-hmm. but look at you just rolled your eyes but some people were gagging for it and True. paying for it True. so this thing that we keep saying is shitty is a studio head rubbing their fingers and hands together saying let's make another shitty because one. they've done their research to see that there is yeah, an audience for exactly that, if right? you think about it the only remakes that don't get made are the ones that flopped like if it did well, Auntie Badger is your own. Yeah. We'll do another one. Yeah. We'll do another one. Yeah, that makes another yeah. one. Yeah. That makes sense. People don't look at it that way. That's mm. the problem. Yeah, I, yeah. It's it. We definitely don't because it's like particularly when it comes to like IP, you feel so like for example for me, Lion King. Mm. I felt that the original should have just been left away. I didn't even watch the. I haven't seen the live one. If any, yeah. exactly. But we it did, the studio did not die. Mm-hmm. Things still happen. Do you get me? It's like, it's just, and that's why I keep telling people that. So when somebody says, I don't like this thing, I just say, oh, you're not my audience. There's an audience for this thing. So people keep focusing on what they like. I'm in the business of focusing on what the general public likes. Mm -hmm. So people that are gagging for no remix, why did you do Matrix Part 4? Why is John Wick still going? Why is Fast trying to go to 11? 10 was a good round number. I've only seen up to one. I've never seen two, three. I stopped at five. Oh. I couldn't keep up. <laughs> I just couldn't. Yeah. Even at five, I was like, I think I'll even drag. Maybe I went on a date. Something yeah. shared this thing. 
But it is what it is. Content is relative, yeah. and people don't understand that. And I think there's even also room for introducing that content to new audience, like Lion King, for example. Yes, the younger exactly. generation probably wouldn't have Thank seen. Thank you. Yeah. I was going to say that yeah. because, like, my son, that's what he he's grooving to. Like, he sees some, and he's like, "No, I want the one that they are walking and they are real." I'm like, "Wow, wow, <laughs> yeah, wow!" Exactly. You are put, you are putting disrespect on this cartoon right now. Did I raise you right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I but ultimately, you get there. But it's reintroducing because mm. think about it, how many people are still buying their kids barbie you know i, I can't remember the last time i've seen a doll mm. a barbie doll i've seen dolls with kids but i can't remember now sales are like off the cover yeah, yeah. if somebody's intellectual property let them eat yeah <laughs> should not be angry so yeah you've been in the industry for quite a while what are some of the maybe one or two threats and opportunities that you see for the film um, industry because you know Ooh. at one time it was like cinemas are going to die Streaming mm, is mm, going to mm, be, mm, and mm, now mm. cinema is people, like you said, there's that communal aspect. So if mm, you just mm, share. Mm. Honestly, biggest threats at this point. I'm so scared of losing collaboration in the industry. That's actually one of my biggest fears at this point. But just other side of things, um, financing, funding. It's weird because there are so many aspects now that are available. Creative funds are popping up here and there. I'm a bit worried that producers are not taking the time out to actually research on how to access these funds i'm worried about copyrights piracy and there are a lot of threats so honestly at, yeah. at, at this point it's actually a lot i'm worried that people are not taking the industry as seriously as it should be i mean look at south korea they had bad rep and now their content's like if you're not watching a south korean thing they'll be dragging you online like oh you're not a kid drama person or something how do you get to that level that nollywood doesn't die i don't think the cinema will ever die I don't think it's possible, if anything. Streaming and, um, what do you call it, the exhibition of cinemas, sorry, we call it exhibitors. Cinemas and streaming can live happily ever after. For me, it's that it just continues a different life for the producer. And that's where the opportunities lie because it doesn't die in cinema like it used to. Then it used to be VCD, DVD, but then the pirating was just a lot at this point. I'm worried that if the government doesn't step in, I don't know how much longer we will, we will keep being recognized by the international world. I've, I've seen countries like South Africa that like they have incentives, they have grants, all, all these things, like they're actively pushing. I mean, don't get me wrong, they have their own things that are going on. They're not perfect for anything, but I see an intentionality with their content, um, if anything. There's opportunities in various job titles that I don't think people are even exploring yet. There's creative producers, creative directors, script producers, development executives. We need development executives. They just basically, what they do is they're just a bridge between the creator and the business. They're just trying to get the story to the most optimal level to be commercially successful. And again, commercially successful doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a good film. It's the development exec's job to make sure that it's a fantastic film and then everybody's still walking home happily you know, with these things. Education worries me as well. I, I don't feel like we're taking enough time out to learn, not that you're going to school, to actually learn about the industry. Because when I see some stories from producers sometimes or storytellers, I'm like, did you see what people actually like? Not that you have to tell this kind of story. It's just more like there's a pattern. Try and see, study it, and then see what you can use from that pattern to create your own original thing. And... I was about to like mention a name and I realized I'm wearing her clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody thought that like, King of Boys would make that much money in the cinema because it's a political drama. 
really in itself and then ultimately it became a movement oh my god does it actually say movement okay army, army. if anything <laughs> so like if you don't and that's somebody that's directed wedding party that's a romantic comedy so if you don't see the opportunities that lay how we go no, yeah. yeah but there's some there's so much why not even tapped into half of what even with audiovisual, like in terms of even just like the dops man we need more i don't know we just need more we need skilled like that's my biggest fear actually that we don't have the skills we don't have the story skills we don't have the technology skills to match up with the global audience we've been doing it for a very long time i mean living in bondage hello we've been there but the problem now is that the audience have become so educated and so exposed that they want to see yeah. this in the films that they love people don't even realize that in, on the whole african content how loyal nigerians are i don't play with my nigerian audience i really try to give them what they want but the problem is i don't even know what they want sometimes it's my job to actually create what they think they would need i don't know if that's deep but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah sometimes you, you you feel like you it's some you want something else but actually that's not what you yeah want, so. and then when you watch it, you're like oh yeah, okay oh, yeah, it's fun yeah. if anything yeah so like i just genuinely want to keep giving people the best of what they deserve i want people to know that they got their value for money or value for their time their time is more important to me than their money because i feel so bad when I feel like I've wasted somebody 90 minutes. So I can't please everybody, but yeah. if I can please like a lot, then I'm, I'm yeah. good. But the skills and training, that's the most important thing. That is a threat and also an opportunity for our industry. We need people passing down knowledge more intentionally. And also getting paid for it well. Because, you know, it's one that thing... Ultimately, it comes, that thing, that's what people don't get. It comes hand in hand. Because people that I know that have learned as apprentices, the money that they're getting now is penny me. Because it's been asked to pay them. <laughs> and I see it and I'm like, oh my God. That's how much you're earning now based on your project when you were just starting as a PA. They took the time to actually get the skills. What I know in this life is that if you have the skills and you have the talent and you have the good attitude, that money thing will just come. Yeah. That's what I've noticed. All right, so let's go into the fun random questions. You ready? Drop it. Okay, first question is, if you had the power, which movie sequel would you erase from history? Hey! <laughs> ah, this is controversial. Or Frozen. I've not seen that. I didn't get why there was a part two. Yeah. I mean, the songs are banging, but yeah. I kind of felt like I could have left it late. Uh, part one. If anything, yeah. Okay. All right, second question. Two things people don't know about you. Um. Wow, okay. Um, I take Taekwondo, and I'm not a fan of Jell-O fries. <laughs> not, not many people know that. Controversy, I know. I don't, yeah, I don't want to People want to make the headlines <laughs> now. Okay, third question is your favorite TV series. Whoa, ah, that's not fair. That's like choosing between my pickings. <laughs> Good lord, I don't even know what to answer. That's a tough one. Can I say my genre, which is yes, Korean okay. drama? Okay, and if I had to pick, how is a tough pick? If I had to pick, it'll be Hotel de Luna. That series blew my mind, like, it had everything fantasy, adventure, drama. The writers got punished there wherever they are. Cause they just changed my life if anything and it was a female lead mm. as well and I've, i rarely see that in future mm. just thinking about it gives me goosebumps okay but yeah let's go cool. fourth question is best piece of advice you have received this is weird but my former boss told me that um he thanks me but he will get to the top climbing on my back and I was so happy he told me that because it made me understand that he wasn't saying it in a malicious way. It made me understand that I was doing more 
and ultimately as i as i let him rise i rise mm. one way or the other and i'm always telling my team that like thank you for you know making me shine i'll climb the top of mm. your backs and i've realized that now they are climbing off people's backs um, as well and the one i hold dearest to me is there's no right or wrong there's only opinion I think that's one of the best advices i've ever got in my life because if i keep looking at it like i'm right i can never understand why that person thinks that they are right i will always deem them as wrong so there's nothing because i always tell people that in some cultures i'm 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 hot and in some cultures i'm i'm committing sin right now my skin is showing mm. there are certain cultures that don't allow that but in some certain cultures i should be showing more skin really so there's no right or wrong there's yeah. only opinion final question is what was the last film you saw Ah, you are just making me you are putting me inside trouble <laughs> what was the last film i saw hey this is actually a problem um i think it was a it was a romantic film because I, I went on this journey down to watch um, romantic films from 50 different countries so i can't remember what it was called it's a turkish romantic film okay. i feel bad now no it's fine, at this point. No, it's fine. <laughs> but i remember the last thing i watched okay if that helps which was uh amazon prime's good omens okay i love that show if anything what was the last film i watched? this is bad it's okay no, no it's not okay it's bad <laughs> we can talk about yeah <laughs> Oppenheimer will be my last film yes when i'm I watch gonna it ask today, you i'm gonna anything. ask you how it was now um any closing words mimi before we wrap it up yeah um there's no savior man there's no savior coming so if you keep waiting for that savior to come nothing's going to happen ultimately you just need to do you and then whatever you find on your path that helps you get to where you're going to then that's it and i think that's my one advice to the younger people because you know i'm a youth myself the the younger people that there's nobody that is coming to save you. you you literally need to put in the work you need to show that this is who i am and this is what i've got and I always tell people that nobody can dim a bright light. If you're meant to shine, there's nothing, there's no rock that can hide you last, last. Yeah. So shine bright like a diamond, yeah. as Rihanna yeah, said. Rihanna, yeah, I love that. Are you on social media? I am, sometimes. Okay. Can, you share your, <laughs> can you share either whatever handle that you, you feel comfortable yeah, with? Yeah, um, at Miss Education of Mimi. And that's my Instagram i think my twitter is at mimi achineku i'm not sure it's been a while and my linkedin is mimi bartels of course thank you to mimi for coming on the show if you enjoyed this episode please take a few minutes to rate us on your preferred podcast platform it helps us get discovered by more people thank you so much also check us out on youtube we are at the snc podcast official as always don't forget to check out the podcast on instagram twitter and facebook you can find us at the snc podcast and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Shade Nonconform. This episode is produced and edited by Fola Shade Anosie. Our executive producers for this episode are Sandra Oyewole and Ajibola Olomola. Theme song is by John Akinola. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>